Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you believe that the Lord has won again, oh, come on and give the Lord a praise. Come on and give him glory and give him honor. Oh, that's not good enough. If you was praising and clapping for me, that would be enough. But I'm talking about the mighty God, the wonderful Savior, the mighty good counselor, the God that deserves all our praise, the God that deserves all the glory. Oh, come on and give him praise right now. now. Hey, give him praise. Oh, come on and give him glory. If God has done anything for you, uh, then you ought to give him praise. Uh, I praise him because he's a great God. Uh, I praise him because he's a wonderful Savior. I praise him because I owe him a praise. Uh, that every time I open up my eyes, uh, I owe God a praise. Uh, every time I get in my car, I owe God a praise. Uh, every time I walk in my house, uh, I owe God a praise. Every time I enter into my job, I owe God a praise because he's worthy of the praise, because he's worthy of the glory, and he's worthy of the honor. Oh, come on, Shiloh. Praise him like you believe that he's worthy of it. Oh, hallelujah. I can't hear you this morning. Oh, come on and put your hands together and bless the name of the Lord, our God who is worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. Oh, I just bless God on this morning because he is great and greatly to be praised. I greet you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of my life. I do count it a privilege and an honor to stand before you. And I praise God and I give honor on behalf of our bishop. Oh, come on somebody. Oh, oh, come on and celebrate him. Oh, you can do better than that this morning. And we thank God for him. And I honor God, our first lady, who is a woman of excellence. Ah, come on, bless the name of the Lord. Ah, God for her. And to the elders, ministers, deacons, and deaconess. I honor God for you into our band and in the praise the leaders. I give God praise for you all. And, and to my husband, Elder Robert Martin, who is the priest of our home, the one who I love, honor, and respect. And to my children, Trefina and Minister Robert Martin, who I love dearly. I thank God for them and to you all, my Shiloh family here in the sanctuary and those of you who are joining online. I do count it an honor to stand before you and one that I do not take lightly. And I am just so blessed to bring forth the word of God this morning. But before we go into the word, please pray with me. Holy, 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 the Lord thy God almighty the one that was, the one that is, and the one that's still yet to come. I am privileged to stand before you, O oh God, but not in my own strength and power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. I ask you, O oh God, that you would use this willing vessel, your servant, that you may be glorified, edified, and magnified, and the devil will be horrified. 
And we bless your name. And we honor you on this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, I do pray. Amen. If you would grab your Bibles and go with me, and those of you who are physically able in the sanctuary, can you please stand to your feet to honor the word of God? My sermon comes to us from the book of 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, scriptures 8 through 37, but I will not read all of those scriptures on today. But I'll preach from selective verses. But I strongly encourage you to read verses 8 through 37 at your leisure, as it will bless you, as it has been a blessing to me. Verses 8 through 13 was already read in your hearing. And I'm going to pick up at verse 14. And from the New Living Translation Bible, the word reads on this wise. Later, Elijah asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elijah told him. When the woman returned, Elijah said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. The word of the Lord. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I solicit your attention to talk to you from the theme, a Shunammite woman's faith in action. A Shunammite woman faith in action. I often wonder how some of us most influential women in the Bible are unnamed, but they are certainly not unknown. Their stories and their heroines have made them unforgettable. I am often perplexed how we remember and refer to them by their challenges and their issues. Like the woman with the issue of blood, who suffered from hemorrhages for 12 years. She spent all she had on physicians, yet no one could cure her. She is one of the unnamed women who had a radical faith. The kind of faith that moved her into action, despite her condition and being criticized and ostracized. Her faith in Jesus caused her to creep up behind him and touch the hem of his garment. Uh, for she believed if she could just touch the hem of his garment that she would be made well. And just as she expected, when she touched the hem of his garment, virtue left his body and instantly 
she was healed. And then there was the woman at the well. This was a woman clearly betrayed and shunned by her community. She was ashamed of her life. She had lost her dignity, lost hope and purpose to live until she met a man who asked her for a drink of water. She didn't know it was Jesus. And when Jesus revealed himself to her that he is the living water, and everyone who drinks this water would never thirst again. From that moment, her life was forever changed. These women, although were not given their names, their lives inspire and encourage women and even men. This is what we find in our text today. A woman who is introduced to us and referred as the Shunammite woman. And when I started reading this text and hanging out with her, there is something about this unnamed woman at this season that calls me to take notice. I thought to myself, this is the kind of sister that I want to roll with. Uh, and since this is National Histories Month, uh, uh, let me talk to the sisters for the moment. Have you ever met a sister who without even exchanging words that your spirits immediately connect without saying not a word. Uh, it was something about her that when she entered into the room that demanded attention. Oh, she wasn't arrogant, but just confident in who she is. It was just something about her that you saw that was connected to your destiny or your assignment that you just needed to know her, that you just needed to be a part of her life life. Uh, this isn't the kind of sister that you would stay with through the life's tough hills and valleys. Oh, she wasn't a kind of sister that you rolled with just for a reason and a season. Oh, no, this was the kind of sister that rolled with you through the hard times and the tough times. Oh, she was ah, an all-season sister. Oh, this is what we find in this Shunammite woman who has something to offer us on today. How can it be that a woman who is nameless has so much to offer those of us who are referred to by name and not by our geographical location or our issues? Oh, and I thank God for that because, you know, some of us, uh, our issues have issues. But I found it interesting that the author of our text finds it insignificant to mention her name, but he takes time to identify the specific items of furniture in the room, the bed, the table, the chair, the lamp. I'm sure her story was never picked up in the New London Day, or the Hartford Current, or the Norwich Bulletin. And she may have never even been talked about in the town of Shuna. Oh, but there is something distinct about her story that captivated my attention and had to be told on this last week of National Women's History Month. Her story speaks to women from every race, class, and creed. The Bible records that there was a woman who lived in Shunna. 
She was a trustworthy wife, wealthy and influential, a woman of great faith, a woman of discernment who perceived Elijah as a godly man who often traveled to Shunna from Mount Carmel. So she asked her husband, can they build a room over their house for him so when he comes to town, he can have a place to stay? Her husband agreed. When I read that, I suddenly had to pause right there in my tracks. I paused for a moment because I'm a wife. And I wondered how the conversation would play out if I asked my husband if we can build a room above our house for a man to have a place to sleep when he comes to town. I just gave it a thought. I just gave it a thought. And I wondered just what the man of God would say. And he probably would have said, the Marriott in the Holiday Inn have comfortable beds. And if that don't work out, the red roof end is right down the road. But, but this was never about the man, but the presence of God on his life that this Shunammite woman recognized. So she requested of her husband that they build a room above their house so that he may have a place to rest when he travels. Oh, those who traveled were dependent upon the generation, uh, sorry, the generosity of hospitality of the people in the land especially the prophets in their ministries as they traveled about from place to place. Whenever a preacher traveled to share the word of God, they depended upon the hospitality of others to take care of them. So she does not ask anything for him, nor expects anything from him. She was satisfied with just serving the man of God. There is some time in life that we don't know why, that we want to bless others. Sometime when my husband and I have been out to dinner and I felt compelled to bless the waiter beyond just a tip. And I would say, honey, I don't know why, but I feel like we just need to bless him. He would say, okay. But sometimes we have to be obedient to what God has put in our spirit because we don't know what God is trying to get done through us and who that he would like us to bless. But if you walk with me through this text, it was common back in those days to offer a meal or lounging to the traveling preacher. He traveled that from town to town, proclaiming God's word. This woman, for whatever reason, took notice as he continued to pass by their home. The text says that she constrained him to stop and have a meal with her and her husband. And at that time, she didn't know that anything about him and that he was going to have a purpose in their life. But we soon later learn that there is a purpose in the promise. That there is a purpose in the promise. And one day when Elijah returned to Shunna, he went to the upper room. He said to the servant Gehazi, call for the Shunammite. And when she appeared in the doorway, Elijah never spoke directly to her. He told his servant Gehazi 
tell her how much we appreciate the kindness that she has shown us. He wanted to know what can we do for you? Can we speak to the king on your behalf? And can we speak to the commander of the army? What can we do for you? See, Elijah was a man of power. He wanted to know, what can we do for you? So he said, baby girl, what can we do for you? Oh, he knew people in high places. So he wanted to know, girl, what do you need? Who do you need me to speak to on your behalf? Oh, come on, somebody. We know we love to know people in high places and they're able to give us a hookup. And some of my sisters probably would have said, since you asked, I need about five pair of shoes and some boots and a Louis Vuitton bag and a Fendi bag and a new car, excuse me, and I mean a new donkey. But if the truth be told, since this pandemic, there's a lot of things that we have learned we really don't need anymore. Some of us who work from home during the pandemic, who daily wore leggings or sweatpants, some stayed in their pajamas, in their fuzzy wuzzy slippers, and when you had a meeting on Zoom, you put a nice blouse or jacket and you look good from the waist up. So we learned that half of what we have, we didn't need at all. We learned to be content in whatever state that we were in. Just like this Shunammite woman, she was content. So she replied, my family gives me everything that I need. I'm good. What do you need for me to do for you? I'm good. But Elijah would not let up. He wanted to know something that we can do for her, for her generosity. So he said to Gehazi, what can we do for her? Is there anything? Anything? And Gehazi said, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He, she has no son, and, and he can't look. He's old. So she, she lived at a time when women were expected to have children, to have an heir to the family that was a part of her culture, but she had no son. So when the man of God heard that, it hit a prophetic chord. And he said, call her, call her. So he called her. And she stood in a doorway and he said, next time this year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. <laughs> she cried, oh man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. I noticed her reply. She never said, I don't want a son. 
I don't want no truth. I don't want no hard-headed boy. It was never mentioned in the text that she desired a child. No one knew deep inside of her that she wanted a child. He promised her something that she had desired and hoped for at some point in her life that it didn't happen. So she had passed that stage in her life and her husband was old. And the man of God, why would you tell me something like that? Why would you give me false hope? It was obvious by her response that this was something that she had longed for. It was a desire in her heart. And although she had been given up that desire of having a child, God didn't. For God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. So he prophesied a promise of a son. And just as he had said, the next year she had a son. Things were going great. Her baby boy was growing up. Life was good. But life can take a turn on you just when things are going well. And without warning, here comes a problem that changed her life. But not all problems are for the sake of problems. We see in our text that there is a purpose in the problem, a purpose in the problem. Oh, it was on the day of harvest season. So I imagine it was hot. The boy goes in the field with his dad and he begins to complain to his father. My head hurts, my head hurts. So the father does just like some fathers do. He told one of the servants to take him to his mother. And she sat him on her lap and probably rocking and rubbing his head. And, but by the time a noontime came around, he died. The Bible doesn't tell us the cause of death. Some Bible scholars say he could have died from a heat stroke or an aneurysm. Hmm. But we don't know. But she is now holding a dead miracle something that was promised to her, something that she longed for and desired. Her miracle is gone. Her miracle isn't breathing. Her miracle is dead. So what do you do when your promise that God has given you dies? What do you do when the ministry that God has given you what do you do when the marriage dies? What do you do when your dreams and visions die? What do you do when your promise dies? Do you prepare for a funeral? Do you bury it? Or do you go look for the resurrection? Ah, that's what this Shunammite woman did. She carried him upstairs to the room where her and her husband built for the man of God. And she laid him on the bed, shut the door, and put her faith in action. What she does next blows my mind. She never tells her husband that their son had died. She sent him a text, if you will, she said, honey, please 
Send one of the servants and a donkey so I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Her husband texts back. Why go today, he asked. It's neither non-festive or a Sabbath. She texts back, honey, it will be all right. The new King James Version say, it is well. And so when the servant arrived, she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry and don't slow down unless I tell you. Oh, the trip from Shuna to Mike Carmel was about 20 miles. She must have scared the wits out of that servant. Could you imagine how fast that he was trying to go on a donkey? It had to be painful to keep her dismay and despondency to herself and didn't share with her husband that their son had died. It was evident that her husband trusted her for she was a woman of discernment, but this was different. Uh, there just has to be a purpose in this problem. God does nothing without a purpose and she went looking for it. <laughs> If God gave you a promise, it doesn't mean that you would not have problems. It doesn't mean that there we are exempt from devastation and tragedy. But we have to remember that the promises of God are yea and amen. You must understand that the enemy is going to do everything in his power to get you to forfeit abort or miscarry the promise, but you hold on to it and don't bury it. <laughs> Elijah saw her in the distance when she arrived. So he said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunna is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband, your child? Oh, come on, somebody say, I believe in miracles. And somebody else respond, and so do I. And while still walking, she answered Gehazi, it is well. Oh, she was moving directly to the man of God. It is well. Regardless of what it looks like, it is well. Well, I know what the doctor's report said, cancer, and I may have to go through radiation and chemo. It's going to be all right because it is well. I may have to go to dialysis five times a week, but I'm going to be all right because it is well. I may have lost my job during the pandemic, but it's going to be all right because it is For she believed that there is purpose in the pain. That there is purpose in the pain. Her pain was connected to her purpose. That God wanted to perform a miracle. My sisters and my brothers, in order for someone or something to be resurrected, it first has to die. It was a painful, but she pushed pushed past the pain and put her faith in action. She had to be exhausted from the trip. 
she was emotionally and spiritually drained from the burden that she was carrying in her heart. And when she got to Elijah, she fell to his feet. And Gehazi wanted to push her away from Elijah. But Elijah said, no, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me. And he has not told me why. My sisters, there will be times when we will be in bitter distress. And no one can truly know our pain except God. Knowing that God knows our pain gives us the hope that God will provide the necessary comfort that we need during our times of pain. So while she was with the man of God and right at his feet, in her pain and distress, she cried out to the man of God, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say to you, don't deceive me and don't get my hopes up high. I had given up of the thought of having a child long time ago. Oh, someone knows what I'm talking about. You've been sick so long you given up hope of being healed your marriage has been on the rocks for so long that you have given up hope of having a successful marriage you given up hope on happiness and love you given up hope on buying a new house you given up hope on going back to school you given up hope on your ministry you're giving up hope on your dreams and visions but I came to tell somebody what looks like is dead don't bury it but look for the resurrection was with God all things are possible so the man of God told Gehazi to take my staff and go quickly and lay it on the child's face but this Shunammite woman had already discerned that her son resurrection was connected directly to the man of God not his staff or the stick that he carried so she said to the man of God as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live I'm going to stay right here and where you go I'm going to go because I'm not leaving here until you go back with me she discerned that God was using Elijah as a vessel in the earth rim so Elijah returned with her as if he had a choice her expectation was breathing ground for a miracle so when Elijah arrived the child was indeed dead lying at the prophet's bed he went in the room alone and he shut the door behind him and he prayed to the Lord this is where I lay in this plane and, and preach it like I feel it because we learn that there is purpose in the prayer that there is purpose in the prayer so Elijah had prayed a prayer that he needed to, to act simultaneously he needed to, to cancel death and reinstate life and it had to take place at the same time he needed God to move on his behalf there was a crucial time in the heavenlies because it's not easy to look death in the face and command life but I like to believe while he was in the room 
that the Shunammite woman, uh, her faith uh, was in action uh, and she stood flat-footed on the other side of the door with her arms folded saying, it is well, it is well, it is well. And if you allow me uh, to put on my spiritual imagination, uh, I like to believe uh, that he was looking at the boy and praying, looking at the boy and interceding, looking at the boy, declaring uh, and decreeing. Uh, he was praying to the Lord, Father, I need you to breathe your holy presence and your resurrection power in me. And while he was praying, the Lord was speaking. So he laid the child on the bed as his body was placing and is moving. He placed his mouth on the child's mouth. He placed his eyes on the child's eyes. He placed his hands on the child's hands and he stretched out on him and something started to happen because the child's body started to grow warm. Although his body was warm, he still wasn't breathing. So he turned away from the boy and he started walking back and forth. Sometimes uh, when you're faced with a problem, you gotta turn away from it, uh, lest it cause you uh, to waver in your faith. Uh, when you're going through uh, a tough time in your life uh, and you need God uh, to do a miracle, uh, focus your eyes uh, on the promise uh, and not the problem. Uh, so come on somebody say, uh, I believe in miracles. And somebody else respond, and so do I. So why Elijah walked back and forth, he was trusting God for the manifestation because there was a miracle in the room with the Shunammite woman name on it. So he stretched himself out on the boy. And this time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened up his eyes because he was resurrected. I came to tell somebody there is nothing too dead that God can't resurrect. If you're facing a dead situation, I dare you to look death in the face and command life. The miracle was not in Elijah's staff, but it was in his supplication to the Lord. The miracle was not in the prophet's passion, but it was in his plea. The miracle was not in the prophet's power, but it was in his prayer. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. There is power in prayer. There is purpose in prayer. And if you believe that prayer changes things, oh, come on and put your hands together and give God praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise if you believe that prayer, 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 it changes things. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. 
certainly changes things. It changes things. Whatever you go through in life, know that there is nothing too dead that God can resurrect. Nothing, nothing that God can resurrect. All over the building, so that you able to stand to your feet. Maybe there's someone right now that's feeling like they're in a death situation and only God can restore them. I want to offer you Jesus right now to know that he is the resurrection and the truth and the life. That if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know on this day, in this moment in time, that he can resurrect whatever it is that you need. If you're in here, in the sanctuary, and you want to make Jesus a part of your life, just slip up your hand. And if you're online, oh, just send us an email to let us know on phone call that I gave my life to Christ, that he is a resurrection, that he can change your life, that he will change your life. And I want to offer that hymn to you right now. And also, if we have anyone that is visiting with us this day, oh, come on, just raise your hand. We just want to just wanna welcome you and tell you how much we love you. Oh, God bless you, my brother. God bless you. We're so glad that you visit, chose to visit us on this day. We love you and we thank God for you being here with us. Oh, come on and put your hands together right now for Jesus. Mm -hmm. as, uh, as we thanking and praising our God, we're just going to praise Jesus' name. One more time, give him praise one more time. And, I, and as I, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, keep praising him because it's given time. Oh, it's given time. This is the moment in time that we give up our tithes and our offerings unto the Lord. I just want to thank each of you that continuously give on every week. We thank you for your faithful giving. Because of your giving, we are able to continue to do kingdom building. So we praise God for you. And those of you who are not a member of Shiloh, but you sow seed in this ministry, we want to bless God for you. You can give as you see on the screen that we have three ways of giving. But we praise God for your giving. And we want you to know that you're sowing in good soil. And we just bless God for you and for everything that you have poured into this ministry. And let me just pray over your tithes and our offerings. Father God, we bless you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to give unto your kingdom. We recognize, Father, that we can never beat God's giving. No matter how hard we try, the more we give, the more you give back unto us. And for that, we say thank you. We ask your blessings upon our offerings our tithes, that you would bless it and return it a hundredfold that we may be used by you even in our giving. In your son's name we do pray. Amen.